Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Delic. I'm Mike Brancatelli, you're you. Today's guest is my friend Clint. Clinton. Clint. I like saying Clinton. I don't know too many people named Clint. He likes to be called Clint. Clint is a medicinal mycologist. He's experienced in large-scale commercial grows, cultivations of medicinal and exotic fungi. He's educated as a psychologist and working as a counselor. He turned to the field of mycology after experiencing the profound shifts from growing and consuming mushrooms. Imagine that, profound shifts from growing and consuming mushrooms. That's what they do. So, (laughs) if you don't know, now you know. So Clint has been working for over a decade, really diving deep, getting granular on the fungal level, exploring a lot of really interesting things that we don't really dive into here, Uh, but as a laboratory director for the largest exotic mushroom grower in the U.S., Clint has been uh, instrumental in coming up with innovative industry-leading protocols for fungal preservation and evaluation. He's developed new and novel ways of uh, using products and uh, techniques and research. He's, uh, He's led research into scalable commercial cultivation of some more elusive and challenging medicinal mushroom species. Uh, so he's, uh, he's, re- he's really, he's on the cutting edge. He's a, le- he's a leader and innovator in the mycology space. Um, so, you know, we didn't really dive into the nitty gritty. Like I said, his background is, and what, what he's up to is incredible. Maybe Clint and I will do uh, an episode, maybe for Patreon, uh, to dive deep into the kinds of things that he's he's been working on over the past decade uh, with um, mycelium, with fungi, with uh, the amazing the amazing mushrooms. Uh, so, Clint uh, was in town. He spoke at the Denver Mushroom Cooperative monthly meeting, which I highly suggest everybody goes to check out. If you're in Denver, Boulder, and you're the Colorado area, check it out. They've been having their gatherings in the park when it's nice outside, and um, a lot of really great speakers that are going to be joining, I believe, Hamilton Morris, Charles Eisenstein. So stay tuned. That. Um, all right. Well, I, I was in Austin, Texas a couple of weeks ago and uh, joined the Time Wheel Podcast Network. It was the Time Wheel Podcast Network launch party hosted by the Church of the Sacred Womb down in Austin, Texas. What a fantastic event. I got to riff on some wonder waves with the Wonder Dipper himself, Mr. Michael Phillip of Third Eye Drops, and my good friend Jennifer Sodini of Evolve and Ascend and Radio Amenti. And uh, we are sort of the, the wonder crew, if you will, at Time Wheel Podcast Network, created by, of course, Matt Zian, sponsored by Sheath Underwear. It was just fantastic. It was uh, everything that you could want from an event like this. Uh, breath work, yoga, meditation, uh, doing some hape, uh, having a, ex- a, a ex- ecstatic dance. There was art, vendors, uh, temple Copal, I, I love that stuff, that white Temple Copal. And um, 
it was just fantastic. It was great. It was so good to connect with people there. If uh, if you came out for it, thank you. Uh, it was awesome to meet you and see you there. It was just great. I mean, this is uh, something that we are all pretty much in alignment with at the Time Wheel Podcast Network that we want to do uh, more, more often. We want to have live events. We want to get together. There's just nothing like a live event. Um, so if you go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, you can get access to the live recording of the event of the panel. Myself, Michael Phillip, and Jennifer Sodini were on. Talked about wonder, meaning, uh, awe, creativity, and it was great. And I have that on my on my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Mike Brank. And I believe it's up for $5 tier patrons and, and up. So check that out. Uh, it's really nice to hear an audience. It's a different kind of listening experience. Um, it's really cool. But yeah, please consider joining the Patreon. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily like wasting time in the show for ads, even if it is stuff that I love. Um, I really would love this show to be more of a fan-funded show. So you guys can definitely help make that happen. Go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank and become a Inner Sanctum member. Get into the Inner Sanctum of the Mikeadelic universe. You get access to the Discord server. You get to connect with other people who are a part of this community. And that's really what I want to do is build a community and then have live events and get everybody out and get, you know, all the patrons get priority, of course, for all kinds of cool things and bonuses and all that good stuff. So uh, let's make it happen. Sponsors, of course, we have the, we have the sponsors. That what's, it's really what keeps the show alive and going. Fungi Academy, if you want to learn about how to grow mushrooms, if you want to learn about cultivation, you want to learn about sacred mycology, if you want to learn about psychedelic journey work, it's a fabulous online program. Over 75 videos. It is dope. Just go check it out. The, all the links for everything that I'm talking about will be in the show notes, show description area. So if you're interested, I can't recommend them enough. If you're not able to be in an area where you can learn hands-on from other people, like I have here in Denver, um, you know, if you're in an area where like mushrooms are decriminalized here in Denver, psilocybin mushrooms are decriminalized, so it's a little bit easier for us to to learn and kind of compare notes. Hence, the Denver Mushroom Cooperative and what they're doing. So, if you're not in an area like that, if you're somewhere else across the world, wherever. This video course resource from my friends Jasper and the Fungi Academy brothers is incredible. They they really it's top notch. They knocked it out of the park. It's it's amazing. It's truly amazing stuff. So I believe Julian Vane is in there as well, past podcast guest talking about psychedelic journey work. So they have some amazing contributors and guests that are a part of that. Of course, you've heard me talk about Sheath Underwear, Sheath Underwear, Sheath Underwear. Sheath underwear is incredible. They are amazing. I love their underwear. It's literally all I wear now. It's great. Um, and Robert is just such a, uh, a a gift to to be somebody who's leading a great company like that, and to be sponsoring and supporting psychedelic, mind expanding, altered state of consciousness events, uh, as well as permission. The men's retreat that I have coming up at the end of August. Sheath will be uh, our top sponsor there. Robert 
Patton will be giving a keynote speech on entrepreneurship and and uh, and business and and resilience, positive mindset. It's going to be great. So please check that out if you're interested. Fill out the form on the website, and we will get in touch with you. I think we have a, a few spots left, so it's it's turning out to be really good. Uh, then we have. Uh, who else? Oh, Ohana Kava Bar. I was like, who else pays me to talk about them? <laughs> Ohana Kava Bar. Ohana Kava Bar is great. I, f- I love Ohana Kava Bar. If you don't know what kava is, um, it, it's great. It's a plant. You take it and it makes you feel a little happy and a little relaxed. I love it. Sometimes I take it during the day. I have microdose days. Sometimes I microdose and take kava. Whew, that is, you're feeling good. Little CBD, maybe a two to one kind of thing going on. Really puts you in a good in a good space. But uh, but Ohana Kava Bar truly is just. Uh, I, I love them. I just absolutely love them. I'm probably gonna take one tonight. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying take one because I've been taking their pills, their kava pills, which is great. They have kava pills. They have tinctures, and they have. Uh, you know, you can make the liquid kava. But I, Ohana Kava Bar. Is phenomenal. I'm I'm absolutely uh, in love with them. Yeah. So go uh, check out all the links in the show notes, show description area. Just check them out. I wouldn't be talking about stuff that I didn't like uh, and and having things on the on the show that I, I didn't actually use. So all the stuff I actually use and I like, and that's why I am basically just suggesting it to you guys. You guys can check it out. And if you have any questions, uh, you know, email me or email or, you know, contact me, contact the people there uh, and all the codes are there. You get pretty nice discount for, for all these, these things as well. All right. Without further ado, that's basically it. If you love the show, please follow us, subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen to pods and leave a five-star rating and review. Tell people about it, share it, like it, you know. I want you to be excited. I don't want you to just do something because I'm telling you to do it. If you truly love the show, uh, you know, do do me a favor and and share it. And it really helps because it helps other people see that there's something good happening here. More people that are talking about it, sharing it, liking it, spreading it. You know the deal. All right. Much love to all you guys. Hope to see you over on Patreon. Building a a cool community there. A lot of cool bonus content. It's patreon.com slash Mike Brank, B-R-A-N-C. Without further ado, let's hop into this conversation with one of the leading mycologists in the world, one of the top mycophiles of planet Earth, maybe the multiverse, an innovative pioneer, a legend in the mushroom space, the man, the myth, I already said legend, Clint. Psychedelics are illegal, not because... A loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity.
So yeah, so we we met for the first time in person at this house, at my house here. Yeah, a couple years ago. I was coming through and I was like, holy, that's Mike. <laughs> that was fantastic. Man. Yeah, I was I think I was in the first at least easily 100 listeners of your uh, Mike Adelic back in 2016 and then uh, to meet you in person at, you know at this place was just a beautiful like synchronicity you know? yeah Travis likes to call this place my silly home mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a good name yeah it's got a good feel and it's definitely that yeah because we and this was the house that we would meet in every Friday, I think it was, to scheme how we were going to win the, the vote to decriminalize mushrooms. Yeah, I can't wait for the plaque uh, to be out front in this historic building. And right, what, yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. It was something, man. It was like we were talking before about community and stuff. That's just the energy that was in the air during that campaign. It was just like, I just want to be campaigning like all the time, like for... Maybe not like campaigning actually, but that energy, that vibe. Um, but we actually, so you were listening to the show and I got a letter in the mail with like just beautiful artwork and an amazing note. You remember that? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to look back on that. I feel a little bit kooky about it, but yeah, I was just trying to really love you up. Because uh, I was really appreciative of what you were laying down for the world and uh, maybe going through a little bit of a hard time. And I remember you kind of being just like, maybe you just got back from Peru, and kind of that readjustment shock and, you know, maybe living at your parents' house and, was like, you know, just keep going, I think was my message and support. So I'm glad you made it through that, man. I can't believe that was you too. It was like, because it was kind of anonymous a little bit or, you know, you it was just kind of like, hey, you know, this is yeah I kind of have this weird thing about kind of staying semi-anonymous about stuff and you know just in the world but not of it and maybe you know being that vulnerable and emotional myself uh you know that kind of allows me to to act like that maybe it helped tremendously it was like I mean thank you you're welcome yeah it was just such a an amazing gift and yeah, and, and to put the, the care into it, I mean, it means a lot, you know. I think that um, when you're doing something like this, I'm just talking into a microphone, I'm having guests on virtually a lot of the times. It's just nice to hear from people and then to get something that's like personalized and artistic and meaningful and impactful uh, that you that you delivered to me was, uh, was amazing. Yeah, I mean... Uh you're welcome. And one of the f- things I love as a mycologist is the quiet time, the peace of just working in the hood or in the lab. And I constantly have podcasts on in your podcast or, you know, instructional videos. I'm constantly devouring information. So I was listening the whole time. You know, I'd look forward to, oh, Mike Adelic, another another round. And so that helped me in my occupation and my life. And so there's that weird connection where we never met, you know, you're just doing your thing, but that's what's kind of fun about, I think, putting yourself out there like you did. Um, people like me or 
working away and you know chuckling or smiling or going you know fuck yeah man you know because it's it is uh pretty lonely sometimes in this world uh, and you've got a unique perspective that uh, i share a lot of the same feelings and i've known that you've come along in these you know last five years and so i've done a lot of growth too uh, so it's kind of fun even though we've not really been super connected uh to kind of share that road together um in our own way yeah it's 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 really interesting it's uh i mean it's amazing it's like life what more can you say other than just you know it's like those magical moments under the influence of uh of some fun guys i mean i definitely the artwork (laughs) i sent you was uh influenced (laughs) <laughs> yeah and you just have these like these little aha moments or these synchronicities that happen or the things that just connect and it seems like effortless so yeah it, it was uh and now you're here and now you're on the show yeah it's coming around full circle and now there's man. some other young mycologist out there working along with right. this with this in his earbuds what are we going to tell him yeah they're going to be listening to us shaking their head uh <laughs> <laughs> we could tell them i mean enjoy it it's uh you know mycology as a practice is for me it's very spiritual or uh, it was working on me the whole time and it's been 12 years or longer uh, since i first started working with the mushroom and uh, now i'm just i'm an infected dude i am a fun guy and i appreciate mushroom people and the people that are on the level about you know what life's all about and where we're going. And I think the mushroom has opened a lot of doors for me in that regard. And so I just hope that, you know, people continue to, that are called to, to work with the mushroom, continue to do so and, and just keep going deeper into it because it's pretty much endless and we've got a lot of stuff to deal with and it'll help us, uh, take a look at it. Yeah. So what's the, what's the origin story? Take me back. Um, how'd you get started? Well, with my, my, I really, I grew up in Arizona, um, and I was not interested in mushrooms at all. I mean, I grew up in a hot desert city, but I moved out to golden Colorado in 2006 and met an older guy who was into mushroom foraging chanterelles out in, out in the mountains. And I wanted any excuse I could get to jump out there into the Rocky Mountains and just go explore in the summertime. So that was my introduction. And then pretty soon I am cultivating in my kitchen, just trying to teach myself uh, PF tech and these simple little things back in the day going on shroomery, just like a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, floundered around with it, but finally had some successes uh, with some, you know, a psilocybe strain. And um, I guess my... I mean, it was, I instantly fell in love at that point. Um, But specifically, I remember an afternoon where I had taken a couple, you know, I'd eaten some of the fresh mushrooms that had just kind of grown to meet me. And I was in the backyard uh, with my daughter and, you know, on the rope swing. And there was this afternoon thunderstorm coming down the mountains on the front range and just feeling this overwhelming uh feeling the energy of the storm the excitement of my daughter and you know just swinging high as we can 
she's, you know, no fear, just up into the branches and just loving it, squealing. And I am, I got tears of joy running down my face man. and the sunshine lightning, the, the storm breaks over the mountains and come on, let's go. And we, we run up under the porch and we're eating local strawberries, watching the rain come down and that kind of stuff. When you're really in the moment, like really there and, and open and vulnerable just changes you forever. And so that's was my, I'm in, let's do this, see where this goes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It, just being so present there. Yeah. Um, and alive and yeah. not deadened, you know, right. coming out of, I guess maybe a very common situation of, you know, deadening yourselves to the pain of the world and, you know, slogging through whatever you needed to get through and really using a lot of coping mechanisms that weren't very healthy and just not feeling things, trying not to feel, to be more like strong or competent, but you have to shirk all that. And this, the mushroom was saying, no, you got to stop that. You got to start feeling into it and really be there. And then, yeah, that's where it switched for me. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, trying, you know, like, the outside pressure to meet the demands of the um shit i'm getting a little static and i don't know why hold on interesting okay well yeah i'd say that it's the the outside pressure to meet the demands of the profane world, you know what Mircea Eliad, Eliadi, I think is his name is, is, uh, defines it as the, the sacred and the profane. And like this, this world that is manufactured and constructed that marches to the tick tock of an artificial clock that we invented has nothing to do with who we are our true nature as human beings and what our, what our nervous systems want, what our heart wants. So you had a, a real, a real opening experience to what it is to be completely and totally alive and present in your body and with your daughter and with nature. And yeah. And you know, I'd worked with some entheogens before and had some spiritual experiences, but um, something about the fungus was so, natural and earthbound and yeah it was a it really seduced me in a, the best way possible and so i was off to the races man it was culturing you know in my on my kitchen table like cloroxing everything doing everything wrong just you know kill, half killing myself with lysol and just having <laughs> contaminants everywhere you know redesigning the kitchen or the sorry the living room into like a a spawn room, mm -hmm. you know, and I built uh, a greenhouse out there. It's still out there. There's a little place on Sixth Street, and the greenhouse is still standing. But where know, is it? It's up uh, in Golden, up on Sixth Street. Oh, in Sixth Golden. Street. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
So, I, yeah, filling that place with bags, growing all kinds of culinary mushrooms. And uh, I had a, my good friend um, was helping me distribute them to some of the chefs in Denver. This is back 2008, 2009. So after that, uh, I had an opportunity to move to the North Shore on a bit of property and try and I really thought, like, this is it. This is my shot. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to produce mushrooms. I met my wife in Honolulu in 2004. She really wanted to go back and, you know, just the ocean, the beauty, everything there, the rainbows and the people and the food. It's so alluring. So we went, you know, to give it another shot and um, I just couldn't make it. It was uh, too much. I was trying to do too much by myself and uh, it just wore me down. So, but I learned a lot, had a wonderful time. I mean, you, you can't have bad time when you're living on North Shore Hawaii like a lot of good memories surfing sun sea you know all of that um, but we had that experience but we had to move on because it was breaking my body I literally couldn't walk for like a month after a certain accident on, oh on shit a, you know so what happened uh, I was uh, I was working construction yeah it's kind of a fun story because it's not a typical story I was working full-time construction um, and trying to do the farm in the evenings. And, and so I'm working 80, 60, 80 hour weeks just by default and mm-hmm. trying my best, right? Just pushing, redlining myself right. in like almost every way to just make that breakthrough, right? And I had a lot of support and help, and I, but it was just still ego. It was still me making it happen all the time. And uh, the supervisor called me over one Friday um, afternoon after the, you know, eight hours of humping it. Um, it's a, it's a yard where you're just manufacturing walls with metal and just mass manufacturing, putting them on trucks and then they go slap up houses. Mm. It's really modern. It's how it's done on the islands. Um, they use all steel because of the termites and these, in the, in the storms and mm-hmm. everything, but it's really brutal, you know, as far as construction goes, it's a lot of strength a lot of amazing, beautiful people, men in there, you know, providing for their families in really one of the most challenging ways you can in this world. Mm. Anyhow, uh, supervisor, it's like, calls me over on Friday after the shift, and he's like, you know, you're fired. <laughs> and I just didn't see it coming. Wow. And, um, huh. have you ever seen like those samurai movies? Yeah, I've seen a couple. Where... The guy cuts him and he doesn't even know he's been cut. Right. And then he just slides apart. Yeah. I turned around. I took three steps and I just felt my spine slide open and I was on the ground. Like I got cut down spiritually, you know, emotionally. And I literally crawled to my car and got home and got to the couch and was just laid out. It was a... It was a spiritual experience, Whoa. but it was physical. But you, yeah. you injured yourself. Oh, I mean, it was. You fell you know, down because I was falling down. Uh, no, I mean the the injury was oh, the okay. hurt of the shock. Yeah, and I was holding myself together. Oh, for so long right. to make it work, mm. and I just got cut down, and it was over. Like oh. I knew it was over. I I stopped with the farm. I folded it up. You know, that kind of thing, it's, it's on another level. Like, this was a, 
it's not just a sign like I'm injuring you know there's you know my higher self or other things involved sometimes in the mushroom path and so it, they, it was brutal but I'm thick headed I, I will push through right mm-hmm. that kind of uh, I, yeah deading yourself and making it happen right and just putting your armor on I'm totally that's what I come from right you know? But this was, you know, again, the mushroom showing me this isn't your way. So we sold everything, you know, with the farm. And uh, gracefully, I got a a position in the lab at another mushroom company in Northern California. And we just were there. We packed up uh, a couple of suitcases, a little family, and on to the next thing on the mushroom trail. So So it was kind of like if you weren't really listening... If you weren't really tuned in, it was the, the universe, the the energy, energy, the force, the spiritual dimension is going to make you listen in a way, and that's what happened. Yeah, I'm a I'm an 800 pound gorilla, man, and the mushroom helps me out a lot. The spiritual dimension helps me out. That's not even the first. That's not even the first time or the last that I've been sure taken by I the, can relate. the the back of the neck. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. So then a new opportunity presents itself. Absolutely. And it was 10 times better in what I needed. And every time it's been like that. And so I spent five years working in the commercial industry with surrounded by the best mycologists that these people dedicate their lives to the, the art and the practice of providing good organic, exploring new species, cultivating them, you know, real applied science and a lot of them are PhD level out of academics. A lot of them are just people who, like me, fell in love with it. Self-taught. And you applied for it or did you ref- like you got a reference or something? Uh, no, I, yeah. I just rich, reached out yeah. to the owner, uh, sent him an email. It's like, here's my situation. And um, said, all right, we can get you a little position. Come cool. On, come on board. So, yeah, you know. Not completely bottom of the the ladder, but pretty low on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. Got to work my way up to a laboratory director for, you know, like a big 200,000 square foot facility. So the owner hired me with the intention of knowing that he was going to expand from like a 40,000 square foot thing in Northern California to an additional plant in Michigan. So I don't know how interesting that is. But then I was out there working as the laboratory director and all of a sudden, right, I'm like, I'm buying suits at the Goodwill to try and like show up as a manager, <laughs> you know, and uh, walking around like I own the place. And uh, so that's, yeah, that's the grace of the mushroom mm-hmm. in a sense, because I was literally killing myself in the dirt, you know, just scrambling to get by. And in just a short while, I am uh, surrounded by opulence and opportunity. And what kind of things were you doing at, the, at this lab? So when we went out to Michigan, um, it was just a standard commercial operation. Um, I mean, not that. It's not completely unique in its own right. You know, 15,000 pounds of maitake a week and seven or eight different mushrooms and the bottle cultivation thing. So I was running the uh, seeding, you know, inoculation operation, which is all the spawn and the plates and the cryogenics. And the quality control on that level and a lot of uh, microbiology. 
in splashed in. So I I got a real education in microbiology and uh, organic chemistry because we would hands on, yeah, yeah. It's the best way to learn. Yeah. Right? Um, so no, I was really grateful for everything that I was able to learn during that time. Yeah. Very cool. So just just maitake mushrooms. That was your specialty at the time or that's what the the lab was producing or was there more and were they like making them into supplements or how were they uh mostly just fresh market fresh market mushrooms um cool but no trumpets namicos piopini um you know little oyster little lion's mane things that would be considered culinary but yet exotic and Mm -hmm. then but yeah the maitake was our flagship and it's such a beautiful mushroom and it, it fetches a good price and it's got a great shelf life, and it's really uh, an enjoyable mushroom to grow. You, the fun thing about being in those environments is they're like miniature forests. You walk into a grow room, and you, it's there's thousands and thousands of these beings there doing their thing, expressing themselves. You know, especially if you're on a on the fungus wavelength, and you walk in there, and then you kind of start to really feel them and sense them. There's this real peppery, woodsy scent that they give off. I mean, it's very strongly like black pepper. And you walk into that room, it's a very specific maitake smell. And I would just, you know, if I was getting stressed out, just go walk the rooms and just be with this maitake. And it's so, it's an, um, they're amazing operations. Um, and the people that make it happen, I, you know, definitely appreciate them. So you're and you you're in the psilocybin world. You're experimenting, doing your own thing, taking like right during this time. Yeah, I mean, I I I came into the mycology through psilocybin, so I was always always keeping that alive on the side. Um, started microdosing in 2014, and really helped um, with addiction and kind of overall mood. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, I've always been a little bit trying one foot in that world as well, trying to be interested in that movement, which is, you know, ongoing and really a renaissance in its own amazing way. Um, but yeah, man, um, I've kind of gone away from it and then come back to it and gone away from it and come back to it. And in 2019, I was really going for it. I started microdosing every day and taking more and more that I could stand for about a period of six months um, just to really say, okay, what is it like to be uh, mushroomed um, on a constant <laughs> basis? And, yeah. and not just like these peak experiences, but to live that, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a understanding that I got with the mushroom. Um, but again, my tendencies of taking everything to the nth degree gets me in trouble. Mm -hmm. So I was coming back from an anarchist convention in 2019. Anarchapulco? Yeah, actually. met Mark Passio and some of my, you know, guys I've listened to for years, right? Uh, Max Egan, I went out to hang out with him and, you know, in the green room. And so that was really, you know, kind of one of those meeting your heroes in a way, mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, slaying some Buddhas. And it really always is, right? Kind of, you have to kill your Buddhas. So I, yeah. I was on I a, just talked about this. Yes. Yeah. Kill your, kill, if you meet Buddha on the side of the road, kill him. 
Yeah. And I'd been listening to Max and Mark for a decade. So I was like, I got to meet these guys. Right? I got to kill this Buddha. I, I, I div- it's definitely a theme for me. Um, but, you know, on the ride home, because uh, I was rushing back to, I was supposed to catch a, a flight to Shanghai for this mushroom conference, like kind of the pinnacle of mushroom, medicinal mushrooms in my, in my profession. It was such an opportunity. I was kind of speeding home and they pulled me over and uh, I got pulled over in Port Clinton, Ohio. And hmm. if you're from Ohio, uh, you pronounce it Port Clinton. Oh, man. <laughs> Again, this is the mushroom uh, grabbing me by the back of the neck. Oh, man. And so, uh, yeah, so the sheriffs brought me in and and kind of, again, just made me sit back, sit down. So, you know, I got, I got out of there and I jumped on a flight and I was in, like 72 hours later, I'm in Shanghai in China, like at the pinnacle of kind of the mushroom world as far as the commercial r- realm goes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Shanghai. Yeah, a li- little place called Nantong, outside, an hour outside of Shanghai. Okay. <laughs> wow. So nothing really happened then from wait, wait what happened from the they just pulled you over and yeah they pull you over they you know they compound the vehicle they put you in a and they process you and then they uh you bail out and you got a court date wait for the indictment but what what did you have though oh i had about a pound of uh cubensis in my back seat Fucking a man, it's it's like I, every time I hear shit like this, you know, whether it's Travis telling his story, which you've heard, right? Yeah, which is insane. It's just I can't help it. I know not to be annoying about it or, or whatever, but it's just like it's just so fucking mind blowing, man. It's like oh, I have a mu- like th- these mushrooms are okay, but this one's gonna make you feel a little bit different. We have to fuck you up for that. We have to fuck your life up for that. It's insane. It is insane. It's fucking insane. Anyway, sorry, I just had to throw that out there because like it's like it's like one of these reactions, you know, like if something's bitter in your mouth, you have to like spit it out. It's like every time I hear something like that, it just blows my mind that we live in a world where the majority of people, it's just we acquiesce to the fact that like, well, the, these are the laws. I know a lot of people are trying to change the laws, and and that's cool, and uh, I I like that and everything, but it shouldn't be so fucking difficult to just be like. Hey, people should just be able to put whatever they want in their bodies as long as they're not harming anybody else. Can we all just agree on that? Like that seems pretty rational. Anyway, not to go on a tangent there, but I just, yeah. No, I appreciate it. And thank you. Um, no, and you're absolutely right. Putting a human being in a cage for practically anything, but especially something like a plant or a mushroom is really 17th century kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do talk about evolving as a culture, as a society. And I think I see it happening now, particularly what's going on in Denver and Oakland and other places, even Ann Arbor. Um, But specifically Denver is kind of where it all started. So it is happening. And I'm happy to be in any way I can a part of that. And these are just initiations. Like it's, yes, those laws are tyrannical and they've hurt a lot of people. But for me and my story, it was what needed to happen on my trail because I was going, again, 
getting headstrong and going down a path that I was of my making, right? I was going to do all these things and it was still very ego driven. And I think that again, it was the mushroom that was involved in that and, and helping me slow down. So that was two years ago and I went through it for about a year. The court case dragged on and COVID hit and all this kind of stuff and it just kept going and it was like this extended trauma. You know, the stress response that happens to people in those situations is really overwhelming and I'm still traumatized to it um, because it is like you're looking at a machine that is devouring your existence for its existence and you're standing in front of this edifice of this institution that you're powerless against in a certain sense. Like once they kind of got you, they're going to take their pound of flesh. But fortunately, the prosecutor really listened to me and knew, kind of recognized, like, you know, I don't, I don't get you mushroom people, but you seem like you're, you're not lying to me, right? And so I think that prevailed through. And, you know, they didn't put me in a box. They could have. Um, it just, you know, threw me in community supervision. And what that made me do was really push pause and on my whole life. And I was fired, uh, you know, from my big, big time position. So I'm just sitting at home with my family. And that was really the gift of it all. I mean, I had a one-year-old daughter. <laughs> I've got two daughters that I love deeply, but... I've got this one-year-old at home and most men are out working, providing, and all of a sudden the mushrooms got me sitting at home with my one-year-old with nothing to do, nowhere to go, and everything's kind of just being taken care of. And my understanding is that I'm just going to be here with my family and really give them the time that they deserve and the love. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, that's been my experience of the last two years. And then I, I remember going to signing the paperwork uh, with the court, you know, kind of finalize all the stuff. You got to sign on the dotted line. It's all about contract. So I'm so signing the contract with poor Clinton, Ohio, you mm -hmm. know, to kind of move on to a new stage of my life, in a sense, the next little thing. And the detective, the deputy or what, you know, he pulls up, he's right there, and he's looking at me, and he's giving me a look, and I just looked at him, and I was like, thank you. You know, and you don't, you never know where God is helping you out, right? So, and it's also about your perspective. Like when I'm sitting in Shanghai, and I'm just so traumatized, flipping out, I'm also surrounded by like, the pinnacle of my experience, and this is just that balance of the universe, right? I got arrested, and now I'm in this glorious penultimate of mushroom intelligence and uh, business. But I'm also freaking out inside because I'm looking at like 15 years, right? They stack the stuff, so you're looking at, you know, they, I'm going to put you in prison for 15 years, son. Fuck just to, you know, really get Scared you shit out to you. look at it. Yeah. But, you know, it was really good. Uh, my wife and I decided in that moment to, uh, you know, approach it with love and really see where it would take us. 
and where it's taken us is just to another level of our love and love for the world and recognizing that everything is a blessing and just an initiation into the next le level of your existence in the spiritual path. So that's where I find myself today. That's kind of a little bit about my story with the mushroom. Oh yeah, I forgot we were. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I asked you how did this all start? Yeah, but wow, that's. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's an incredible story. You know. So yeah, I mean, this um, trip to Shanghai that was for work. Yeah, that was. Um, so it was. It was like. That you had this thing happen where you get stopped, you get arrested, you, you get the, the court date thing, right? And then you also have, at the same time, the highlight of like a work career, the ta tale of two cities. Yeah, like, it was the best of time. It was the worst of times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd been working, you know, like I said, starting in my kitchen 10 years ago to then being at the conference of all the best mycologists and then... Yes. And then having that other thing. And then having that, that, that thing you. in the background. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's just so much for me has been the experience of this, this dualism of this reality where you have to be very careful what you ask for. And, you know, the equanimity of that balance is how that works. And even when things are bad, there's always the blessings of the other side. It's always in balance. Like the current situation with the sicknesses um, for my life has only made it my life that much more enjoyable and pushed me into what is important um, you know I think and that's what's helping a lot of people really realize like when the bars and the restaurants are all closed down what matters to you mm -hmm. right and for me it's family and you know inner peace and uh, like uh, you know, living on the land and, and gardening. It's really, you know, been just so, such a beneficial thing. Again, you know, kind of origin story of coming from the desert, you know, it's a different, um, to learn how to cultivate and generate and farm is kind of new to me. So I get to come at these things with fresh eyes. Mm. So I'm constantly learning just how to be human um, in a way. Mm-hmm be a more natural human, be a little, le bit, little bit less dependent on the system and a little bit more um, self-sufficient in everything I do. And I think that for me, you know, that starts with moving into your heart and being okay with yourself, right? Accepting who you are, like radically and all your flaws and really opening up your heart to that feeling of divine bliss and love, which again, is thankful to the mushroom. Yeah, you mentioned that you had tried some entheogens before, before mushrooms. So I'm, I'm assuming that you didn't really have a spiritual or profound experience, or maybe you did, but the one that with the mushrooms was kind of the, the ultimate one. Is it, talk to me a little bit about that. What did you, because when I was a kid, I, you know, people ask me all the time about like when I started with psychedelics and stuff, and, and I didn't start, in like in the way that I'm using them now, I, I started just like, hey, I want to get like fucked up with my friends and get high. So we're just going to like eat some shrooms and 
drink and do some other stuff and who knows what, you know, uh, so what was it like for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I took acid for the first time in like 17, 18 and it was more of a, just for fun and, you know, was into the rave scene for a number of years. Right. Yeah. Um, it was a good scene. Oh, it was very good for a depressed 18 year old in like kind of suburban, uh, Phoenix, mm-hmm. right. To just mm-hmm. have an outlet. Uh, to, so yeah, I missed those days in a sense and they served me well, but, um, about the age of 23, I started really getting into yoga. Um, and I'd read, you know, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi, and some different, like, texts and things like that. And I was really interested. I, as a young man, I was really turned off by Christianity, just in the church way of it. Did um, you, were your parents Christian, or are they? Kind of Unitarian, in a sense. We never really, you know, church people. But, okay. Uh, Wait, what does that mean, Unitarian? I'm not. I think it's just kind of an open, kind of like we're Christians. And oh, we're Christians. We celebrate Christmas, but that's like something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's not so much like Lutheran or Baptist. You know, to be honestly, I don't know. I shouldn't even say much about it. But my okay, my inclination was to go to yoga. My uh, my stepfather, who was really more of a father than anything, was a long-term meditator. And he gave me the book as a teenager and turned me on to the possibility of enlightenment as a very young man. So I went into yoga at about 23, having been partying in the college scene and all that stuff and just kind of just being so wasted on it. I needed, I knew I needed to kind of get my act together on a, on a level of health and spirituality. And so I ended up, um, smoking some five MEO toad cause it, they're in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Sonoran Desert, right? Yes, it is the Sonoran Desert. Um, there's a lots of hallucinogens that are natural to the desert. Mm-hmm. So I was always in and around that, but um, the 5-MEO was special. Um, I was in the presence of infinite space and in the front of three golden Buddhas for about five minutes, just sending me that golden light of enlightenment. So that kind of thing you don't come back from, you know. I mean, obviously you're back in your body in a matter of minutes, but you change for forever. Uh, And then really realistically, when I went to yoga, I was already doing kundalini yoga and ashtanga and teaching meditation classes, you know, teaching to learn in a sense. And, And then it really started working because my whole system was on fire. It was cleaned out. Right, so the five meo really prepared my body, and so I'm in a strip mall in in like East Mesa, where my yoga dojo was, a beautiful little spot, right? But kind of unassuming, just off the side of the road, and you know, kind of modern America, and I'm having a full blown Kundalini experience through my crown chakra, right? <laughs> That's great. I love that. Full-blown kundalini experience through my crown chakra in a strip mall in Mesa, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> Next to like a Chuck E. Cheese and like a like a heart yeah. attack burger. There was a pizza pizza place, you know, whatever that is. I used, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, yeah. used to go over there as a poor like college student. I'd That's ride amazing. the bus down there and I'd, I'd even remember showing up with a pizza one time to like before class. And the guy who ran the studio, who was just an amazing yogi, he's kind of looking at me like, why'd you bring that in here, man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what it was. It was just 
like offering enlightenment in a little stall on the side of the road. And I just checked in there and I was all about it. And it, it happened for me. Now, you know, that's 23 and I'm in a strip mall in Mesa and I'm looking around, there's no community. There's, so I, you know, I kind of went a little off the deep end for a little while there. You know, it's very dangerous in a sense to open yourself up to that level if you don't have um, the community around to support you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk more about that. That's that's interesting. I, I think that's important too, you know. Um, there's, I definitely had this urge to awaken, right? What I, I don't even know what that really meant. That, that I guess it meant that like I was just going to know everything <laughs> or something like that. And then I was going to be at peace and everything was going to be easy. Um, I got a lot more than, than I bargained for, like going in that direction. Uh, but it's so, I mean, it, yeah, it's so important because I, I pretty, I crumbled pretty hard after a very big ayahuasca experience coming back to New York and not having people there that knew about, like knew about this experience and went through it and, you know, I, I, so I can imagine it's probably similar, right? Like you, you didn't really have a lot of people that were on the same wavelength or even people that are, could be like elders who've been there and can guide what, so what happened for you? <laughs> I mean, actually it, it kind, kind of weird. I, I, I kind of went a little messianic for a minute. Um, but then I think I was also using other substances to try and suppress that energy in me to be able to conform back into what society wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. I really went through a, a very dark time of trying to suppress it just to fit back in because I went around to everyone I knew. It was like, this just happened to me. And they just were looking at me like with, they didn't either believe me or they thought I was crazy. Kundalini awakening experience. Yeah. I mean, it's samadhi. It's enlightenment, right? Right, it's right, a, right. I mean, it's, well, it's on the path to there. It's mm -hmm. that that uh, connection of energy with the greater thing. It's a spiritual, it's kind of the, the thing you want to be up to if you know what you're doing and you have like guidance and things along those lines. Right, but I right. didn't have a guru at the time. And uh, right. I do now. And she's helped me a lot with that. She basically, it's, the nice thing about the spiritual path is you can kind of give people responsibilities to help you out. Be like my and my guru, she she's a Kundalini Maha Shaktipat guru. She manages my Kundalini for me, or she kind of did at the time and helped me. Just kind of she watches it, and or you know it's kind yeah, of what, what, what does that mean? I don't really know what it means, you know, but it's not out of control anymore. Right, because you just kind of pop off like a fountain. Yes, this is wellspring, and it could kind of come off sp spontaneously. Like I had my brother and his friends over one time, and I was, you know, kind of giving them a talk about it. This was like after it happened, and it just started to come up and erupt through me, and that was just too much. You know, you're trying to like trying to get my degree in college and may like keep a job down and right and you're then going through this stuff and it's it wants to do what it wants to do yeah right? yeah right so it can be dangerous for the uninitiated and we don't have a culture in america that acknowledges it or knows how to work with it it definitely comes out of india um, and all of that and i'm sure there's others but uh, especially for yoga and 
So, yeah, I mean, it basically just kind of had to suppress it. Um, a lot of alcohol. Alcohol will suppress pretty much any spiritual uh, energetics that you've got going on if you need to. I wonder why. I wonder if that's why Cho Young Trumpa and Alan Watts were such big drinkers. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, it's not to say, I mean, I've been through AA, I've been through periods of sobriety, and, you know, I can come back to it now a little bit here and there, uh, but it's definitely a dangerous touch. I mean, they died of alcohol poisoning or liver failure, right? Both of those men. So I don't know. Yes, it does. Uh, I can see the relationship of using it as a crutch to manage your own spiritual energies. Um, and it's a very enjoyable substance at the same time. Sure, yeah. So. I, but there's something to be said, though, about like the, the society that we live in. It's a very alcoholic society. Yeah, oh, 100%. It's, very, it's so condoned. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having a spiritual awakening in Phoenix, Arizona, where the, it's the number one Bud Light capital of the world, right? <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, why don't you just go to a dive bar, have some Bud Lights, and forget about it. Mm. That was my enlightenment experience at the age of 23, wow. man. To some degree, like in the darkest aspect. Yeah. I mean, it changed me forever, and I have and had that. And so, but well, I what, just what knew I, you... I had to get out of there. And that's when I first moved to Hawaii. Like. If... I, if you could, if you, if you were, what you felt coming up, like where did it want to go? That energy, that Kundalini energy, that awakening energy in you, like if you didn't feel the pressure to conform, to fit into the society, like what, what would you, how have you been, how were you expressing yourself? How was it coming through you in, in, an, in like an unfiltered way? Because you said you got a little messianic, and I did too, you know, because I just felt like I was like floating, you know, and, and, and other people were just kind of like, what is going on with this person? Like, what is happening with this guy that we used to know, and now he's different, and we don't know why, and he's being weird, and it's like, no, you don't get it. I'm, I'm, I'm awake. You're not. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I've been there. Um, when you first wake up, it's hard not to because you do. You have to be born again in the spirit to be in that state. And you are born into a new sense of awareness and of being awake. That's what it really means. And you look around you, and unfortunately, other a lot of other people aren't there yet. And so you're the only, and, and you know, if you're the only person that's kind of there, you are like, well, am I the Messiah because I'm the only awake person in this room or this area? Or right. I know something. I've seen something. I've experienced something, something uh, of a higher vibration, something that is uh, more than this mundane, you know, egoic projected reality that we see. But then you get into your own ego. Yeah. The then, the, yeah. Well, then that's the fun part about it. Like your ego starts to commingle with that newfound power or in, insight and starts to scheme and, and manipulate and like, right. wow, yeah, it's really, the spiritual awakening is like a, a young girl that goes to LA to be an actress and the ego is like, Hey, come here. I got something for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just co-ops it. That's where a lot of the traditions and the, you know, sweeping the ashram for 30 years, it starts to make sense because 
it's like be giving the keys to a Ferrari. It's, you know, and you're 23 and you just came out of a dive bar, you know, six months ago. So what do you know? Uh, you're not ready to work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did kickstart the process for sure. And it was definitely what I was looking for. I mean, I was a materialist, atheist, depressed, alcoholic teenager at like 17, man. Like I was already done. Uh, but I approached this stuff as a skeptic and I was like, but you know, I'll do it. I'll do it all. I'll, I'll, I'll give it my full intention. I'll read the books and I'll take the, I'll do the steps and oh boy, it works. It works really quickly if you're dedicated and focused. And that's a really powerful thing that I realized. And so people make that decision every day, whether they want that or not. And I've still struggled with it for 20 years now of kind of, my friend calls it dying the wool. Like I kind of slip into that and then I kind of come back out and let my ego run around for a while, get me into trouble. And then I kind of come back into a place of love and peace and, you know, and it's work, living, living to work with it or working, <laughs> working with that sense of all of the emotions and being raw and vulnerable and dealing with your traumas, not spiritual bypassing, right? Really sitting with it. And so I'm still processing that, you know, it's an endless thing and I've got a lot to deal with. Um, but like right now, as I sit, I'm in that place. My wool is in the dye and, uh, that's where I, you know, I know I have that home base. I know I can just be with myself and shine that love with, the people that are open to receiving it. Um, and it's just like not special, right? Not messianic, not mine. Everyone's been talking about it for forever. It's just the latest, not even the latest, you know, just my little person coming along and really exploring it for myself. And so, and yeah, that's, you know, that's five years before I met the mushroom. And so when I met the mushroom, it, you know, entheogens and stuff. Um, I never had the opportunity to get into ayahuasca. It's so far away and foreign um, to, for me in my life. But you know, not just these peak experiences, but kind of a way, right? The mushrooms offer you a way of living with it. You know, in in the world, and so it's it's a gentler. It's a very steep ascent, but it's, you know, a little bit gentler than some of the, you know, the DMT astronauts and stuff like that. Or shooting your kundalini, like, you know, off like a, a firecracker, you know. Those are all wonderful and great, right? But you still have to bring it down. Like, you still have to contribute. Chop wood, carry water, raise children, plant the garden, get a job, produce, generate, right? All that. Yeah. 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 I got to come back. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because yeah, it seems like, it seems like you've had, you've had this, 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 this big opening up and that kind of set you down a path to try and like, work with it and manage it so that it's not these extreme highs and extreme lows that it's more of a consistent gradual unfolding 
you are just another node of the light bright that's went on. Yeah, it's a good way to talk about it, yeah. Right? And you're like, okay, cool. Because, I mean, I feel it from you. Like, when you first came, when I saw you again, I was like, it's just a, a, a an energy. Yeah. It's an energy. It's no, a, it's... I pick up on it, and I'm like, wow. Like, I... I've, I call myself a care bear, man. It's just <laughs> like, you know, they shine love out of their hearts and, like, create rainbows and change the world or whatever they were up to. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't forget what they do, but yeah. I, I think they're, they're changing they the world, but they're definitely loving people up. And so that's where I found is just to come into a place, you know, Rob Doss and all these people have always talked about just being in that state of loving, abiding, acceptance, joyful love, and however you want to talk about it, bliss, ecstasy, you know, it can go into those vibrations, but you really just want a nice little coal of love in your heart that you can radiate out into a room to the people you love and and you love everybody at that point so you know ram das talks about that like falling in love with the girl at the checkout counter i've done that a thousand times too you know just being in love and then but again just remembering the teachings and just being like that love is for me or it's or it's you know it's for everybody it's not specific it is specific for me, you know, it's very personal uh, for my daughters and my wife, you know, such a beautiful thing to have generated other human beings that you can then love so deeply and openly. So, yeah, I mean, that's my bliss state is just being at home and that's where the mushroom put me. And so the universe has been conspiring for me to fall in love with life since, since the get-go. And that's a fun message to share. Mm. That pro noia, right? Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you think that there's any separation between what we define as like the mushroom intelligence, the higher spirit, the I I I see it all for for me I see it all as parts of ourselves i don't know what, what's your take i don't know i still don't know i mean it's still a great mystery but it, it all seems to be the more and more it seems to coalesce into just a greater realm of heaven i would call it and there are parts of ourselves that are in there all the time as we are down here and so it's my higher self that cuts my back and gets me pulled over or my guides, or you know, or God, or Jesus. I I don't really know or care, but I'm starting to listen, you know, and really sit with it. Um, but yeah, it's real, and that's what you see and you experience. And then once you connect with that, then it starts to flow. You allow it, right? We're so permission based. We don't think we're worthy. We don't trust, and you have to rework all of that. You have to have faith. And you have to, um, you know, that's a big one. And I still struggle with it. It's like, oh, man, like trust, faith. Okay. You know. What's your What's your biggest fear? I don't know. Um, my My biggest fear is, is like man and what he's up to. Like the man? Like just men, yeah. Other men that think they know what they're doing. Right, because there's these spiritual truths about this world that it's kind of we're fish swimming in a sea of love, 
and a lot of people don't see it that way. And uh, so that's all I keep my eye on at this point. I'm not worried. I mean, there is hell to pay up there or down there. And I've uh, had some encounters. And I don't want to go that direction. Um, so, But I don't fear that, right? Because I know where I'm at in my heart. So I don't really have, you know, much fear about those things. Like, you know, because once you get to the situation of, well, even if I die, then I guess I die. But I know that it's all eternal. Um, my fear, if I have any concern or anxiety, it generally just wraps around my children, you know, as a man providing. Providing for your little clan and... You know, not in any kind of conquering way, just, you know, humble and sustainable and letting them express themselves in this world. Mm. And so that's, I guess, what keeps me up at night is just um, how am I going to allow them the, mo the maximum ability to flower in this world? Wow. <laughs> well, that's beautiful, man. I mean, because just where you've come from to, to where you are now, it, it really sounds like that you are sort of um, embodying this very kingly arch archetype, archetypal role of, um, you know, stewarding your kingdom, being the steward of your kingdom, giving back and, and, and providing. And I think that that is such an incredible accomplishment and such an, a, a worthy noble just righteous uh path to be on yeah and it is all of that and i you know i talk a good game i'm a horribly flawed human but that is my sentiment that's where it's coming from uh you know sure but thank you for the compliment and it does it is that uh, i had an experience one time where uh you know my deceased grandfather uh, on my mother's side uh, came to see me, right? And kind of showed me the the lineage of our ancestry in heaven. Like uh, up above me, unfurled in like golden elven letters was my family name, right? Like you are a king in heaven, Right, you, We all are. We're all sovereign beings that are down here for enjoyment and to learn, right? So that was really powerful. And so it gives you strength and it also brings peace. But yeah, um, there's a lot of masculinity in that, like, like kingliness of being like, I don't, I'm not at war, but I'm not really going to be taking any shit. <laughs> yeah well like you said i mean that is i think that i mean right on you know because it's i just i look at the the world and and yeah i i'm like man i, I just i hope that when i have children that they are able to grow up in a world that is full of life and 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 abundance and joy and um i look at how I grew up and hearing, you know, your story as well. It's like, man, like, wouldn't it be nice if, if we didn't have, if they didn't have to go through that kind of shit, 
you know, and they didn't have to go through all the kind of conditioning and indoctrination and the, you know, putting this, uh, the round peg in the square hole, you know, all that stuff, you know, the, the factory farming of human beings, essentially. Right. Uh, yeah, my children don't go to school. They're all homeschooled for the most part. Awesome. My youngest doesn't have a birth certificate. She's a native Michigander. Right, so that's up to her now. I, I don't make decisions for them. I mean, I do as a father what I see best, but I really as subscribe to the thing of letting them decide as kind of their own beingness. And uh, that's not easy, right? Like, you still have to step in and provide guidance. Um, there's a lot of manipulation through the media and things like that that do creep in. Regardless, you can't insulate them from the world. But, uh, yeah, you do what you can, right? That's the classic saying of any father. You do what you can. Yeah, right. Yeah, you do the best you can. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, there is something to this idea of, you know, bringing up the topic of, like, anything that we might be afraid of or worried about is, like, yeah, other fucking men and their 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 agendas, their plan, like, what they how they want to insert their their will upon the rest of us. And it is mostly men, right? I mean, it's it's mostly men. It's not really. Heck, I don't know, man. A maybe it's of, aliens. I, a lot of maybe. I mean, I've met twelve foot tall um, praying mantises. Really? Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. Do you know the? Do you know Stuart Davis? Name rings a bell, but no, not personally. He's uh, so my friend Michelangelo had him on his podcast, Self Portraits as Other People. Shout out to him; it's a great podcast. Uh, I only know Stuart through that podcast, but he was had a same a similar thing happen to him. Pregnantis, yeah. yeah. It's a very. Tell me about it's this. It's actually kind of a you know, Clindy Ee and other people talk about it all the time, right? Uh, okay, great. Yeah, let's let's hear about it. Well, um, okay. Now entering the praying mantis section. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, it's nice to have this nice topological, uh, all good enlightenment story, but there's a lot of little side roads along the way that you can interest yourself on, right? In the world of entheogens. For sure. So, um, yeah, there is an invasive species on the Hawaiian Islands that has some of the most amazing... Uh, DMT content alkaloids in the root system and pretty sure the Department of Agriculture would even like pay you money to go out there and dig them all up because they're uh, an invasive species from I want to say the Philippines or at least Southeast Asia it's a uh, Acacia Formosa and so I whipped up a batch of Formosa Waska and it's an amazing thing because you didn't need uh, a what the the leaf admixture right right yeah chacruna um it actually just works uh on a four-hour boil you know, the roots and i drank it and i was kind of a mistake it was the first and last i did that because <laughs> <laughs> starts coming on and i'm like oh i gotta lay down and i you know i didn't know the proper dosing or anything i was just you know being a little reckless um and then all of a sudden you know, in this corner of the room, there's a 12-foot-tall praying mantis with some kind of uh, octopus elephant thing on a, on a leash. And he was not happy with me being in his space. 
um, because, you know, it changes your dial into a different vibration. And he was like, what are you doing here? You weren't invited. This isn't your place. So he would make this sound like, I'm not going to even repeat it, but it was a very insectoid, high, like, you know, a cicada kind of sound. And it would vibrate my internal organs and make me almost shit myself. Wow. For about six hours. And he was doing it to me. I would come out like, oh, and he would come back. He was cleansing me because I was dirty. And he's like, you look how disgusting you are. You're so dirty. Like, look, you know, the food, the water is poison. And I, it's so sad because I was on the North Shore of Oahu and that land has been so abused um, by some of these U.S. military and ag, big ag companies. They, that's where they do all their, all their stuff. And that land has been so abused, obviously, the people. And I was living there and I was, it was in me and it was showing it to me. So again, like you can take it as the victim and this 12 foot praying mantis was being mean to me, right? Just poor little me. Or he was showing me that I was toxic and that I shouldn't be in that space because I was bringing that toxicity into that space. So, yeah. and you know, grace, gratefully, gracefully, it, the experience ended and I was, yeah. So yeah, that's my praying mantis story. Wow. So what did you do after that? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I <laughs> went back to my old ways and uh, never did that again. Yeah, I mean, you know, like so dense-headed and all of these things kind of always having to go through these cycles of remembering, remembering and cleansing and remembering and getting sucked back in. It's, it's what we're all going through. And so I think it's okay, though. I mean, I can sit here where I'm at on the cycle and say it's okay. Like, you're going to go through the cycles, you're going to fall back in, and you're going to come back out. And I think that applies on, you know, to where we're at culturally, you know, social, sociologically, mm -hmm. and everything. We're going through some tough times, but that will only open up space for more personal growth and a renaissance of you know, those traditional values, perhaps, of love and kingliness and, you know, family. And we need to get back to that. You know, modern society wants to take you in every other direction but yourself, right? And that's kind of a cliche, but it's true. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's, I think that in today's day and age with everything being very digital, virtual, um, you know, even though the method of schooling and everything, there's something to be said about a, a total embodied direct experience. Yeah. You know, and that, that really, and not just in this, in the psychedelic realm, but learning through by doing like what you shared so much of. And, also yeah. not necessarily waiting for the right moment to be ready, but to start doing something and teaching and then learning through teaching and, 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 and failing and then learning through that because it, it imprints in you a deeper wisdom, I think, that 
you you can't really get like I mean, and the other thing is, think about how boring it would be to just read a book and then just go, oh, I know how to do everything the right way. And it's like, oh, tell me about your life. Well, yeah, I just did this and it was awesome and I did it perfectly. And then I did this. It was perfect and it was awesome. And, you know, you wouldn't have the same kind of recollection. Like I just I just got back from a four day backpacking trip. I did 38 miles over 7000 feet of elevation. First time I ever did anything like that. That's awesome. It was it was like it, it was, but I was like, is this awesome? I was like, this is so weird. Why am I subjecting myself to this? But I'll, ne- I'll never forget it. It was a grueling, challenging physical experience, but it was also a, a mental experience as well. Mm-hmm. It was like pushing. I think there's something really, there's, the, there's something that really makes a person through challenging difficulty and, and failure and getting beaten down and, grueling hard dark and depressive it builds character i mean and we you know i suppose we've yeah right all those old kind of timey sayings and we're just so much we're moderns and we're beyond that but you kind of start looking back and and there's a lot of wisdom there and yeah you do need to get out there and push yourself and find out what you're made of yeah and you said chop wood carry water before which is a similar (laughs) thing like sweeping the ashram it's like there's so many of us out there. They're like, oh, I wanna, I wanna transcend to the, you know, samadhi, samsara, the Maya, break through the illusion and the portal to the, the other dimension and the aliens and the entities and the. And that's and, all there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and but it's also like, but you could. You could really be here and 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 sort of carry a, an, an energy of peace with you that affects has real world effects that's that's what i'm getting at is like because I, I have a tendency sometimes to get wrapped up in you know the fantastic you know cosmic far out shit yeah me but too then I, I see it too yeah it's, yeah i get you it's almost it, a crutch yeah because you do need to put in the work right you just have to put in the work and then and then being there with people and listening to people and their experiences and yeah i mean i think that is uh you know this past year I joined a men's group and uh, yeah. it was during the pandemic. Right on. And it was great because they're like, we're meeting in person. Fuck this shit. Yeah. Like, we need each other. We're, we need community. We need men being men these days. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Men being men. Uh, high morals. Uh, that's kind of what it means. Uh Men that have given themselves over to higher power that have kind of, you know, they don't have to be fully enlightened bodhisattvas, but they recognize that man's law and everything that's going on is not the highest. That's all. So anyone who recognizes that is on the right path. And then what is it to be sacred masculine, right? You tell me, but it's about loving and caring and not, not going out and taking, not you know, so much of our history and this world, and it's ongoing to this day. I think we're being colonized right now by something. Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to put a name on it, but, you know. You think, you think it's the mantises? I can't put it. I don't know. I, I don't want to plant my flag on that, but get back to me. Zeta, Could be. Zeta reticulans. I did meet the Elohim one time. Uh, they seem to know what, what's going on down Wait, here, too. Wait, who's that? What? Never mind. No, I want to know. Yeah. Uh, the Elohim? Yeah. The Nephilim? Oh, right, 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 yeah. Tell me about that. 
Um, well, you know, they're kind of on an etheric level, but they kind of look over this place, and they're very angelic beings, like whole groups of them. They kind of, it's like the, the perception I had was a little bit like a cruise ship, you know, it was really nice and opulent, and they're just kind of these maybe beings that live for thousands of years on some kind of level. I've really ascended a higher, higher plane, and they, they look down at this garden of Eden that we inhabit, and a little bit like a zoo, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit like a natural place where life is expressing itself. And, you know, the, the mantis, the mantids are here, and you see praying mantis in the grass and the mm -hmm. flowers, and those are their babies. And so we do share this space with all these beings, you know, all these entities, and it's a big pantheon. I mean, there is the one source, but there is also a pantheon of beings that are either watching over or maybe they've got diabolical intentions, but um, generally speaking, yeah, that was, I mean, I can't get into too many details, but they did allure me with, you know, kind of that twisting and writhing sexual energy practice that they're highly into tantric sexual yoga. Mm. So they showed me a little bit how that worked and I kind of got the uh, opportunity to observe, but I, even in that state, I knew that it wasn't my place to dive in um, to that situation. So, yeah. But they were kind of lesser down on the total pole as, you know, meat, flesh, humans mm -hmm, with our mm -hmm. situations. Um, it reminds me a lot of like kind of the Lord of the Rings stuff. Kind of elven in a way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I always think that like, man, Tolkien knew some shit, you know. Um, I think, he, you know, I don't know. I always wonder if they were, you know, I think peyote was pretty popular. Like, or what, you know, what's mm -hmm. the mescaline? Mescaline, yeah. Back in those times. Right, yeah, it was like uh, you'd have like Aldous Huxley and like probably, yeah, like Tolkien, like wearing like suits, like taking mescaline and just like, oh, this is an interesting experience. <laughs> Let's document this. Yeah, but there, there's these fiction authors. I mean, it's amazing. Like even like I'm, I'm a fan of the uh, show Rick and Morty yeah. on Adult Swim. And big truth drops on there, right? Yeah, yeah and, and, and I just finished watching Loki on Disney Plus, and it's like there's so many of these shows that like the like shows like this wouldn't be you couldn't have them come out like 20 years ago. It would be too much for people. Hmm. So we, we I think as you know, Terrence McKenna used to say that like you know as as we time is speeding up, things are getting stranger, you know. And I th I believe that. I believe that it's, like that more seems is to be opening what's up. going on. Yeah. Yeah. More is more is available for us to see if we want to see it. And even with like mainstream bullshit, you see, oh, UFO, like all this UFO stuff. I don't know what your take is on it, but my take is like if it's coming from like the New York Times or something, something that there's there's some spin that's happening. There's some distraction. There's some, uh, you know, shell game type thing. Look over here that's going on because I don't trust these sources that are like, oh, well, you know. I've lost complete trust in anything mainstream. Media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming from the government, and I have no idea what's going on out there. I've seen some weird things in the sky myself. Yeah, same. And I've, you know, I just told you I was sitting on a spaceship, uh, uh, you know, an intergalactic cruise ship, 
at about 10,000 feet or something, right? That was invisible to our perception. So I do not know anything about what's going on out there. I, you know, and I guess that's to my own detriment. Like I'm kind of an explorer in that way. Like I'm, I was still that psychonaut. Like I'm curious, like, what is this? And I'm only allowed at this point in my evolution, you know, kind of brief glimpses or maybe chance encounters. And it can be dangerous out there, right? I've got a very strong Christian friend and the Bible says, don't, don't play around out there. Yeah. Right. Um, Yes. And I know that like, you know, to a certain degree, but yeah, there is a intrepidness, a curiosity that is kind of overwhelming. And the mushroom is always really done right by me. So as long as that relationship maintains, then I'll, I'll continue to pursue it. I don't know if I took that the right way. Well, yeah, I think, I think so. Because what I get from that is that, that, you know, it's, we're, we're never going to know all the things. There's a lot of crazy, weird stuff going on, but as long as you develop a, you have that, um, reverence, uh, and respect for the mushroom and, you know, treat it, uh, have a good relationship with it that uh, yeah, I mean, food, keeps you on the path. Food, medicine, enlightenment, all through fungus. It's a path. It's a spiritual path. It's a, a hidden or, you know, rediscovered. It's probably, right, the oldest religion on the planet to some degree. Good case could be made. Um, it's been a path for humans for who knows how long, mm-hmm. right? So it's fun to pick that up. It's kind of like in in my life and, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, it's like you found something on the ground that nobody wanted and you picked it up and it was everything you'd ever been looking for. <laughs> so, yeah, you find like spiritual gold. You become an alchemist, right? Like you, I think you said, it's like mycology is a lot like alchemy. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's modern day alchemy. It can be. You can feed yourself you can heal uh, and you can high tap into higher worlds and i always said that it the enzymes of the fungus are the way that it actually works on you it dissolves your structure as much you know obviously weirdly and i, I don't mean to be disrespectful in any way thank you terence but you know the the way that he was taken out of this world was very fungal you know, I think that's been said before, like his tumor looked like a big mushroom or something along those lines. I don't know, but I definitely feel infected. So it is a symbiotic relationship. Um, at least yeah. I try to bring up my side, right? I think it's been doing more good for me than I've been doing for it, but... No, that's not true. No, I mean, you know, going into commercial cultivation and, and spreading the good love and yeah. the good word. Yeah, of I'm course. I'm trying to bring up my part of the bargain. Hope. Yeah, you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So no, that we can enter into those relationships, right? Like you are into ayahuasca, right? There's a relationship there. Um, and the mushroom, yeah, for a lot of modern Americans that can't make it down to the traditional places to do that, the mushroom is here and it's all around us. And, you know, particularly in Denver, there's a growing community. And, and I think people are starting to really realize the potentials of healing, um, and possibilities and the world is in so much pain right now that it's getting really shameful to say no to someone trying to heal themselves 
right? So that's pretty powerful. I think that's where we're at. So we just need to continue to demand our right to heal, our right to our own spiritual path, whatever form it takes, and stand on that and heal ourselves. And that's the only thing that's going to save us to the future, right? To really embody being a healthy people that can make the right decisions, not based on a trauma, but based on a love. Yeah, I mean, that's my soapbox, man. (laughs) Clinton, I think that's the perfect place to end it. Yeah, all right. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Yeah, this has been awesome. What's what's uh, what's next for you? What do you got going on? What would you like to communicate, share, anything? Um, you know, I'm really trying to move into just being a private person and kind of disappearing in a way and just tending my garden. But I am out here in the world trying to help the general community find better access to natural medicines, be they something that helps with the gastrointestinal, be it something that helps with, you know, any kind of cold or flu situations, Um, and maybe even mental health and things along those lines. And it's all kind of, once you have the skill set, it all blends and flows together. So I'll be, you know, going out to work on projects like that and really get some stuff started and really trying to help people. That's, you know, kind of the the nice part about... um, the cycle of coming around uh, again and again. Now trying to lead with the heart and really saying, how am I going to serve the most people and the most healing? And that's kind of what I let lead me. But yeah, I don't really have much out there, like anything that I'm ready to present. Sure. Well, you just gave a talk at the Denver Mushroom Cooperative. You're right. And yeah, they need all the support. They are amazing. Travis's group there, Hope and Elka. Um what a beautiful bunch of group of people. And there's a lot of people in the background that want to see that. And I'm one of them. Um, so yeah, Travis asked me to come down here and I, of course, man, can't say no to Travis and cause he's holding that light. He's creating something really beautiful and special here. So I invite anyone and everyone to support that and get involved hundred percent. Awesome. Yeah. And you're just going to go hit the road Gandalf white beard to the next place. Yeah, get on a my wizard always my, arrives uh, on time. <laughs> my white, my white, my big '74 pickup truck, my white steed. I'm gonna head off into the sunset and go do some liquid fermentation mycology because that's what I do. Amazing, it's amazing, man. Yeah, and and I just think that that's great. So don't contact him. He's not. A, he doesn't exist anymore after this podcast. He's gone. He's vanished back into the ether. But I think that yeah. you have a lot to offer in terms of sharing your experiences, your trials and tribulations, and the accumulated wisdom that you have that you have here uh, and helping people on the path, young mycologists who are just starting out, things like that. So, yeah, message me, and I'll pass it on to Clinton. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. This is super fun. Appreciate yeah. it, brother. Thank you. And thank you to everybody out there. Till next time. Love you guys. Mush. Love. Peace.